well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with me on the program today. And uh, I have to thank one of our uh, viewers who uh, sent in a question. Roger uh, wanted to know if he could make some uh, stickers with the the sign-off, you know. Be well, be safe, be free. I'm not into the show right now, but uh, of course I said yes. Uh, And hopefully Roger will let us know when those uh, stickers might be available. But uh, Roger, thank you for checking in. We are going to be talking about those attempts to uh, be well, be safe and be free in California, where there are a lot of jurisdictions. So California, you know, listen, California is a weird place. Even when you had the May issue carry laws, there were a number of counties around the state that treated the issuance of concealed carry as if it was shall issue. We'll actually get into that uh, in today's armed citizen story. But depending on where in California you lived, you might have had a sheriff who said, nah, we don't give out any concealed carry licenses. And even though it's been six months since the Bruin decision came down, uh, more than six months, actually, some of these localities are still taking their sweet time in adjusting to the reality that, uh, yeah, we the people have the right to keep and bear arms in self-defense. Groups like the California Rifle and Pistol Association have sent letters to uh, Contra Costa County, Alameda County, telling them, listen, get with the program, start issuing concealed carry licenses, or you're going to get sued. Uh, And the latest letter apparently delivered to the Laverne PD, in Laverne, California, got to thank Rob Romano, 2A Updates on Twitter. If you're not following Rob, you are missing out. Uh, and Rob discovered this tweet from the Laverne PD a few days ago, um, alerting residents to the fact that, hey, you can now apply for your concealed carry license. Great. great. I mean, that should have been the case all along. Uh, but yay, yay, you can finally apply to exercise your right. Uh, the problem, though, is Rob discovered is what Laverne, California wants to charge residents in order for them to, again, exercise a fundamental right. Take a look at this fee schedule. This is crazy. So nearly $400 for processing your application, right? Then an additional $150 for some sort of administrative fee, different than the processing fee, right? Uh, Then you've got the uh, two-year license. Again, you have to do this every two years. The license itself costs you $93. Then there is a $20 charge for fingerprinting. Then there's another $150 charge for your psychological review. That's right, because you have to be uh, approved by a psychologist before you can exercise your right to bear arms. Yeah, that's one of the uh, provisions of California's law. Not every jurisdiction... Uh, actually requires this, but uh, there in Laverne, they do apparently. Uh, let's see. Then you've got another $250 fee for the uh, mandatory firearms training, right? And then a uh, a modest $20 fee for your concealed carry license, over $1,000 to apply for your concealed carry license. But the good news is when you renew your license two years from now, it's going to cost you, uh, it'll go down. It'll be less than $700. This is, uh, I believe, flagrantly in violation of the Bruin decision. 
Gun control advocates since the Bruin decision was handed down have been pointing a lot to footnote nine in the Bruin decision. And they say this gives them the leeway they need uh, to pass all kinds of gun control laws even after the Bruin decision was handed down. So here's what footnote nine of the Bruin decision says. To be clear, Nothing in our analysis should be interpreted to suggest the unconstitutionality of the 43 states shall issue licensing regimes under which, quote, a general desire for self-defense is sufficient to obtain a permit. Because these licensing regimes do not require applicants to show an atypical need for armed self-defense, they do not necessarily prevent law-abiding responsible citizens from exercising their Second Amendment rights to public carry. Rather, it appears that these shall-issue regimes, which often require applicants to undergo a background check or pass a firearm safety course, are designed to ensure only that those bearing arms in the jurisdiction are, in fact, quote, law-abiding responsible citizens. And they likewise appear to contain only narrow, objective, and definite standards guiding licensing officials, rather than requiring the appraisal of facts, the exercise of judgment, and the formation of an opinion. Features that typify proper cause standards like New York's. That said, because any permitting scheme can be put towards abusive ends, we do not rule out constitutional challenges to shall-issue regimes where, for example, lengthy wait times in processing license applications or exorbitant fees deny ordinary citizens their right to public carry. Now, we can argue about what an exorbitant fee is. I'm sure gun control advocates would say that $1,000 is not. Uh, I think the courts are going to disagree here if the city of Laverne sticks with that fee schedule. Um, Custos Morris of the California Rifle and Pistol Association uh, and Michelle and Associates uh, weighed in on Twitter as well. Somebody had said $1,000 seems excessive. He says it is excessive. Uh, Laverne PD will be hearing from us shortly and uh, then uh, responded yesterday uh, by saying uh, that a letter has been sent. So we will be keeping our eyes on what's going on, particularly in Laverne. But again, is really important for gun owners to pay attention to these things. Um, because this is a small town in California, right? If it weren't for the fact that uh, Laverne PD tweeted this out uh, and some uh, alert folks actually looked into what this fee schedule is, including Rob Romano, chances are we might not have known about this for a while. Um, now we have the opportunity to hopefully set things right, but there are undoubtedly uh, other locales, not just in California, uh, but in other states as well, who are trying to use these sort of abusive means uh, to the end of trying to prevent somebody from exercising a constitutionally protected right. When you're charging somebody, again, $1,000, $1,000 to exercise your right, your constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms. I, I just don't see how that's going to stand. Uh, you know, in Virginia, where we have a, a true shall issue law, right? You don't have to sit down for an interview in person with the uh, sheriff or the licensing authority. You don't have to provide your social media accounts. You don't have to uh, provide character references. You don't have to sit for a psychological evaluation. Five-year permit, less than 100 bucks, And that seems to be working just fine. So I don't buy the idea that all of these fees 
including, again, the processing fee versus the administrative fee, which doesn't make any sense. I, I don't buy the, uh, the idea that this is um, necessary in order for uh, licensing authorities to operate under a shall-issue system. I don't think it's designed to be a shall-issue system. It is designed, again, seems to me anyway, to continue to provide issuing authorities with the arbitrary discretion that they had under the May-issue system struck down by the Supreme Court. It's not now a justifiable need or a good cause, but now it's whether or not you have good moral character, whether you are a suitable person. And keep in mind, this provision only applies to those applying for a concealed carry permit. In order for you to purchase a firearm in the state of California, you don't have to sit for a psychological evaluation. You have to pay $150 for somebody to say, hmm, hmm, tell me about your mother. You don't have to do that. You have to go through a lot of other hoops and hurdles in California in order to simply possess a firearm in your home, but you don't have to do that. Now, I would argue that uh, after Bruin and the uh, uh, striking down of California's May issue statutes, anti-gun locales, anti-gun politicians have simply tried to keep that same discretion in place, albeit by a different name. And at the end of the day, the goal is still the same, to deprive as many people as possible from exercising that right. Because these anti-gun politicians believe we're all better off if nobody can exercise their Second Amendment rights. Unfortunately, they're wrong for them, uh, fortunately for us. But how they're going about this, again, I think also is um, incredibly indicative of the elitist attitude of a lot of these anti-gun politicians. You know, if you are working at a gas station or a uh, fast food restaurant and you are struggling to pay your bills right now, but you have the opportunity, maybe for the first time since in your adult life, to actually obtain a concealed carry license so that you can protect yourself. But you really don't have that opportunity. Because you don't have an extra $1,000 laying around. Because again, you're living paycheck to paycheck. You're struggling with the high price of groceries. You're struggling with rent increases. And now all of a sudden, the state of California, or at least you're the town you live in, says, hey, listen, we know things are rough. Know that you're struggling to get by. Probably not living in a great neighborhood. Maybe you are concerned about uh, your personal safety. Maybe you are worried about protecting your kids. But before we permit you to exercise your constitutionally protected right to bear arms, you're going to need to shell out four figures and submit to all kinds of intrusive, needlessly intrusive infringements, not only on your right to keep and bear arms, but your right to privacy as well. And, uh, and only, again, after... Not the sheriff, mind you, but but other individuals make the arbitrary determination that you are suitable uh, to bear arms in public. Only then will we permit you to do so. Uh, I am really glad to see that uh, CRPA is on top of this particular situation in Laverne. We will uh, keep you updated as to what happens with this uh, permitting schedule. 
but uh, or the uh, payment schedule. But again, I would encourage you, even if you have no desire or plans to get a concealed carry license. I don't know why you'd be watching the show, but anyway, even if you don't. Take a look at what the provisions are, particularly if you live in a formerly may-issue state. And if you see something that you think, again, in the words of the uh, Supreme Court, uh, deny ordinary citizens their right to public carry, again, through administrative actions, through the bureaucracy, contact your local Second Amendment organization or your state-level Second Amendment organization. Let them know. Because, honestly, that's how we find out about a lot of these things. Uh, it's easier to keep track of legislation than it is to keep track of the policies of every small-town police department or every county sheriff. So, again, if you see something that raises your eyebrow and gets your spidey senses tingling, don't keep it to yourself. But, uh, uh, you know, talk to the Second Amendment groups and hopefully they will send a letter. And we can avoid a lawsuit, although I don't know that that's going to be the case here in Laverne, California. Again, we'll be keeping our eyes on this situation going forward. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with the case out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now, Democrats in New Mexico are once again taking aim at legal gun owners. They are looking to ban so-called assault weapons. They are looking to crack down on so-called large-capacity magazines. This is after... Uh, Democrats have passed universal background check laws, red flag laws. They uh, uh, got rid of the uh, they, they established, I guess, a no gun zone at the state capitol. Um, violent crime keeps rising in New Mexico. It, not not surprising, considering the lawmakers again are are aiming at law abiding responsible gun owners and not violent criminals, and they're continuing to do so, even as the headlines in New Mexico become even worse. Like this one, for example. Homicide suspect caught weeks after allegedly cutting off ankle bracelet. All right, so there is, I think, a legit question about whether or not somebody who is charged with murder should have been on electronic monitoring in the first place. I understand, you know, again, you have to look at whether someone is a danger to the community or not, whether they're a flight risk, things of that nature. Joe Anderson, the 41-year-old suspect in question here, was arguably a flight risk, was arguably a danger to the community. In fact, it sounds like the judge even acknowledged that. As the Albuquerque Albuquerque Journal reports, um, Anderson, well, let's go back here. Uh, Anderson was arrested back in uh, December for the uh, death of uh, Raymond Aviles. Back in August, police say that Anderson killed Avilas in southeast Albuquerque while he was riding a motorcycle that Anderson had lent him. Anderson, back in 2010, fatally shot a man named Vicente Sanchez. He received just seven years behind bars for that crime. So he was out, apparently on probation, when the uh, shooting of Avilas occurred in August. So again, months go by. Police continue to investigate the case, develop leads, and they arrest Anderson on December the 4th. This, uh, January 13th, about a month later, prosecutors uh, are in court with a motion to keep Anderson behind bars until trial, based again on the charges that he was facing based on his previous criminal history. 
And according to the Albuquerque Journal, the judge did determine that Anderson presented a danger to the community. But the judge said that that danger could be mitigated through conditions of release. And uh, he said that the decision was based on Anderson's compliance with conditions of release and probation in previous cases. So January 11th, um, he is, uh, or I guess mid-January, he's released on zero tolerance conditions, including wearing an ankle monitor. Okay. Things go all right for a few weeks. But then on February the 7th, pretrial services get an alert that the ankle monitor had been cut off. It was left on the side of a highway. And Anderson got away for three weeks. Uh, he was apparently tracked down on Friday to an apartment uh, in Albuquerque, uh, found in a stolen vehicle and taken into custody. As a matter of fact, uh, how about that? But now the question becomes, why, really, why was Anderson out in the first place? You have somebody who's previously convicted, been convicted of a homicide. He's now accused of another murder. And the judge says, yeah, you know what? As long as he's got this ankle monitor, we're good. But we're not, are we? Because what happens when somebody cuts off an ankle monitor? Sure, an alert goes out. But they're long gone by the time authorities have a chance to uh, check on that individual status. And then it's hope and pray that that individual gets taken into custody before they can uh, commit more crimes. Now, so far, Anderson's not been charged with any other offenses while he was out for three weeks and unmonitored. But there's no guarantee that somebody who escapes custody, um, or at least cuts off their ankle monitor, will will be a law-abiding individual, right, while they're not being monitored. In fact, honestly... You can have an ankle monitor on and commit a violent crime. We've seen those cases before as well. This is a huge, huge problem. And not the only problem, that we, not the first time that we've seen something like this. People in New Mexico released early, not held behind bars despite a lengthy criminal history. They go on to commit more crimes or be accused of committing more crimes while they're out on bond. And again, rather than focus on the dysfunctional criminal justice system, a system of their own devising, by the way, given the democratic control in New Mexico. Uh, lawmakers are trying to make it harder for responsible individuals to protect themselves against the criminals they keep putting back on the street. Now, today's armed citizen story, Bakersfield, California. I mentioned that um, some counties in California are better than others when it comes to issuing concealed carry licenses. Uh, Kern County is one of them. Sheriff Margaret Mims um, has treated concealed carry as sort of a shall issue system for years in California. In 2020, she issued 4,500 concealed carry permits. Uh, same time, San Francisco issued like, what, five? Los Angeles County issued uh, maybe a couple hundred, right, to the uh, powerful and well-connected. So the average person in Bakersfield largely has been able to obtain a concealed carry license. Um, and that's a good thing because one of them was armed. When they uh, pulled into their driveway a few nights ago and saw two guys running out of his home, well, apparently armed, the uh, homeowner told police that uh, one of the two suspects, or at least two suspects, um, but one of them 
raised a gun, fired shots at him while he was still sitting in his car. Thankfully, this homeowner was also a concealed carry holder and did have his firearm with him. So he was able to return fire. Police ended up making two arrests. One suspect showed up at a local hospital with a gunshot wound. Uh, Another suspect taken in custody a short time later. The homeowner was injured. Thankfully, not life-threatening injuries. Uh, And I'm guessing in part that's because he was able to fire back. So the armed suspects didn't want to stick around um, because they were getting shot at too. So the homeowner is going to recover at least two individuals in custody right now in Bakersfield. And um, please haven't said if they have more suspects on the radar, but uh, hopefully justice is going to be done here. I, I, you know, I say that, but this is California we're talking about where, uh, you know, the prison population is, I think, at like 100, 112% of what its capacity is supposed to be, which is a problem. But rather than build more spaces, hire more staff, uh, Democrats are closing prisons down. Yeah. So the idea that uh, these individuals might actually face severe consequences for their actions, just not confident about that. Now, finally, today's good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Some police officers in uh, Sterling Heights, Michigan, who helped a uh, pregnant DoorDash driver finish her deliveries after a uh, car accident. Um, As the local uh, report says, uh, uh, one of the uh, customers there, also in a rough spot, if she had uh, four children waiting for food. This is, you know, listen, I mean, it's not a, this this is not, Front page news. But it is nice to see. Uh, Brianna Fantosi uh, got into a crash while she was on her way to making a delivery. Car was undrivable. She said, um, when the officers arrived, she said, I ran up to the cop and was like, can you help me? She's six months pregnant. She had her daughter in a car seat in the back when another driver hit her. Um, And the officers said, yeah. David Allen's a uh, lieutenant with the Sterling Heights PD. He said, this is about the driver of that vehicle. Uh, it being so important to her that it needed to be taken care of and realizing that and being able to do that in our police department. So the uh, 20-year law enforcement veteran took all of the groceries out of Fantosi's car, uh, plus the food from a uh, Detroit steakhouse that she was delivering, and uh, finished off the delivery to home in Sterling Heights. Um, Fantosi says she's grateful that she could earn that some money that day. She says, I really do appreciate it. Meanwhile, Lieutenant Allen says we have an obligation to protect and serve. And if we're able to provide that service, we'll take the opportunity to do so. Um, again, I'm glad to see this was, uh, you know, just, just something nice that could be done and was done. Sure. It was a relief for Brianna Fantosi, uh, and a good deed for, uh, Lieutenant David Allen as well in the right place at the right time, willing and able to uh, help a woman out in a tough spot and uh, hopefully make her day a little bit brighter. We thank you for your very good date. Now, that is all the time we've got for you in this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I do want to thank you for being a part of the program as well. Looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow, but don't forget to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day. There is so much going on in the world of the Second Amendment. Uh, Wednesday, we've got permitless carry, excuse me, campus carry being signed into law by West Virginia Governor Jim Justice. We also are expecting to see some movement in Nebraska on a uh, permitless carry bill. Should be coming up for debate in the uh, Senate in Nebraska on Wednesday. So we'll be talking about that at Bearing Arms. We've got a lot more to cover as well at the website. 
And if you like what you see, I would always encourage you to become a VIP member as well. Just go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive content. News stories analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter. And it really does make a difference. So thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. In the meantime, be well, be safe, and be free.